Tony gets the American dream, but it's hollow because there's nothing going on spiritually. He can't love. He can't love uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. He can't, he can't reach across. He can't connect. I have Nick the pig as a friend. What kind of life is that? All he can love is his sister, his blood, but his, his ability to uh, imagine a form of love outside himself is gone by the materialism that surrounds him, is destroyed by it. Al reminded me always of Humphrey Bogart with that kind of narrow face and those kind of uh, nervous eyes of his. And I thought that it'd be a great finale for him to be buried in a mound of gold dust or cocaine, you know, like just crash into it. The cocaine that Al snorted was real. <laughs> no, I don't know what Al was snorting to take the truth. I do remember we tried out baby milk, which is dried milk but there was nothing easy to snort because it would get in your nose and you'd be blowing his nose all the time. But uh, I never snorted, so I can't really attest to what it was. I don't like to give away that secret because it takes away from somebody's belief. You have to have a secret. I mean, that's part of what we do. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie III, Zach Allison, and today we have returning champion. Of course, you already know who it is. I don't have to run down the litany of shows and podcasts he's on. Because you man. know, Michael Brooks, thank yeah. you so much for coming back on. Guys, honor and a privilege. Uh, and, you know, I agree with it. I appreciate the sentiments, but uh, patreon.com slash TMBS. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're simply too uh, popular to be allowed to promote anything. <laughs> we had Michael on the show a couple of times, but we were just doing like topical episodes. Yeah. And, you know, like Michael has a brilliant mind, all this cultural background. And like we're just wasting him, making him do the same thing that, that Sam Cedar does and making him just talk about the politics of the day right like it was that's really inexcusable of, yeah. of us and i want to apologize for that <laughs> we're going to you know really dive into something that you're very passionate about that we love too and that's crime movies oh, and of yeah. course today we're talking about the classic the brian de palma's 1983 epic scarface every hip-hop head's favorite crime movie <laughs> starring al pacino in brown face let's just get out of the way right now <laughs> <laughs> let's front line it yeah uh, uh, in brown face yes it's bad yes but everybody's favorite character is manny and he is the only cuban uh actor in the film and so it's fine actually it's, it's okay to yeah. en still enjoy scarface because we all love manny it was to draw attention to what a real cuban actor can bring to the table yes well, I, I, and, I can't join the wokeness on this one like that pacino needed to play that role sorry it is what it is <laughs> they should have definitely put less bronner on him just even for realism's sake but he yeah. he is tony montana he is, yeah. he is. Yeah. He came up with this film. Like, this was his idea. He watched the 19, I think, 32 Scarface and was like, I want to do that. I want to make another movie. <laughs> uh, I want to make that one again. It was, but he had originally, um, Silly LeMay, um, was going to direct it. And he came up with the idea to tie it into the real, modern day real life um drug trade and violence that was happening in miami uh mm. contemporaneously and you know to get that side of the angle we're also going to talk about cocaine cowboys the 2006 documentary that kind of covers you know these real stories that inspired scarface and so we're going to do a little bit of a double header here we're going to talk about you know the film and the real life you know <laughs> violent drug trade politics behind it is it true if i could be 
uh, not remembering this correctly, but didn't Oliver Stone write the first script for Scarface? And they actually were sort of like, this is too political. And they pivoted, like, they they wanted to just make it like a more straight up, just, you know, gangster shit. But Stone's first script is still in there to some extent. Is that right? Oh. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, he's, he's credited as the screenwriter of Oliver Stone is, and he filmed this while he was recovering from his own cocaine addiction right. in France. Uh, there's, an, there's an interview here saying that like, yeah, this was a, a, like an attack on cocaine. He wanted to take his revenge on cocaine through Scarface is what he said. And, and, and if you do watch it, um, as we all do now, as you know, sophisticated leftist yes. cultural critics, mm-hmm. we do feel that Oliver Stone leftism in certain scenes of Scarface, yeah. the bathtub scene is one that's like just straight up him just going off about how, um, the politicians and, uh, people who like this is because the original Scarface was a prohibition era movie and they framed this and i think this was you know oliver stone's idea as framing this as modern prohibition the drug war the evils of the drug war how the drug war creates people like scarface to be the bad guys but in reality the real villains are the bankers that launder the money the politicians and the cops who takes all take all the bribes and this is still you know found in the film itself now of course we love the film because you know tony montana we love the violence we love uh, the glitz and the he's cool and scarface so i'm so out of it that and also it's such a scarface conversation because like you got to gear up to talk about the politics because i swear man I, I now i remembered the scene where he's like smoking a cigar and being like, I'll tell you who the real criminals are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As soon as you say the tub scene, I'm like, yeah. Oliver Stone was making a political statement when he got chainsawed up in the tub. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's act- that's filmmaking. That's wow, filmmaking. That's, that is beyond my pay grade. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to do this episode now because I saw a few hot takes from film Twitter about how Scarface is actually bad. Oh no! And no, 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 (laughs) no! This is not a bad film. This is what movies are supposed to be. If you're gonna make them three hours long, I need to see the entire. You know, I need to see an entire uh, analogy for the American dream represented. It needs to be an epic. It needs to be once upon a time in America. It needs to be someone. If it's going to be three hours, it needs to be someone's entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Life and death. Uh, So we can't be one episode of the Marvel show. You know, if it's three hours, it needs to be epic. Is that the complaint that it's too long? I, would, I don't think that's one. I don't know. Complaints. I don't know what the. I didn't really dive into the complaints there, but people were just trying to cancel the film. I well, don't think it, it was necessarily for woke reasons. It was just like it, you know, you get that thing all the time, right? Where a film Twitter or film people are just like this movie that everyone loves is actually bad now and you're a bad person if anybody likes this movie you shouldn't date them like it happened with <laughs> fight, like fight club uh, it happened with a couple right. i think scarface is going to be like scarface, the new one no scarface catches that and, and there's always been sort of the like stereotype of like it's the you know poster in every dorm room and everything i think it yeah, gets a lot of cool. like the yeah, exactly. <laughs> like rules. Like, one of the we, like, all-time great movies. Yeah. That's the same reason why like Fight Club is always up in people's uh, dorm rooms because it's also a good movie that everybody likes. Like that's like uh, that, movies that people I, like. They buy I posters think, of. But unlike Fight Club, which I also don't, you know, I'm not. I I have like just even time wise, to be honest. Like the whole like. I mean, I think people are wrong in the case of Scarface or Fight Club, and I'm. I, couple of things. I mean, one, what's amazingly annoying about the cancel culture is that they've, they've reduced like what actual interesting academic work can be, which is just like actually dealing with a text of any sort, right? Whether it's a novel or a film or a video game or whatever. And you actually take away usually the conclusion that, you know, sorry to be cliche, but like life, this shit is uneven and complicated and, you know, and uh, it can make incredible points and have unbelievable, like, you know, I'll take it in the pretentious direction, right? Like Dostoevsky 
first of all, I don't read enough <laughs> novels and those are some of the only novels I've ever read. So actually that's like unpretentious, but like <laughs> that's some of the best insight on conscience, ethics, religion, family imaginable. And also he's making arguments for like feudal hierarchies in Russia, but he's also making arguments for feudal hierarchies in Russia because he was actually like around a band of like, kind of like nihilistic revolutionaries who sort of like freaked him out. Right. And served the bid. So like, it's funny. Cause it's like, it's the counter argument to all the like cancel bullshit. Isn't like, Oh yeah, nothing's ever a problem. Don't talk about it. It's we'll actually fucking talk about it. Yeah. Right, deal yeah, with it right. and wrestle with it and be challenged by it, but have right, a struggle session, have a fuck. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, you should call out your URL now. Patreon.com slash struggle session. Exactly. But I, but it's like, but what's funny is like Fight Club, and this isn't a dit for me, as far as I'm concerned, it's not a knock on Fight Club, but Fight Club is like a super, you know, it, it's, it's definitely like an alienated white people movie. And that's fine. That's legitimate subject matter. But sure. like, it's narrow. Scarface really is like, if, in fact, Scarface kind of, I think, because I can tell you, even speaking as like a poor person, who definitely mm-hmm. was raised by white hippies that like, <laughs> I feel like Scarface actually speaks to every category of American except for bougie NPR white people. There yeah, is something I, about yeah. like the savageness of it, the desire. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really does because like Scarface, we can get into the plot. Scarface comes over with nothing. Tony Montana comes over with nothing. He's sent over on the, this is a real thing that happened. The, yeah. uh, the big, uh, flotilla, uh, uh, that Castro sent out and he's, you know, uh, down uh, immigrant he's a uh, the, the first scenes of the movie are of immigrants in like you know chain link fences like mariana, all herded together like riots happening i've mariana lift i for, i think it was called but like and of course there's also the hilarious aspect that i mean this this has a lot of also like weird historical pathos because like you know jimmy carter in many ways Definitely was a dude who helped move the Democratic Party to the right and was a neoliberal and blah, blah, blah. And we should be real about his record. But he also is like, you know, he's a pretty exceptionally personally decent human being to occupy that job. And like they kind of like he basically naively was like, well, if people want to leave Cuba, like, sure, let's welcome them into our communities. And Castro's like, all right, sure. Here's who will leave Cuba. <laughs> Every single prisoner, <laughs> low life, right. like fucking, like just like straight up like gangsters. And so there's that great scene in the beginning where like he's in the INS office or whatever the fuck it is, and and they're like, "Why are you here?" And he's like, "I want a better life. I'm a political prisoner." And they're just like, they look at his tattoo and they're like, "Ah, oh, means he fucking is an assassin." Like, yeah, hitting <laughs> all over us. And that great scene with Castro's, like, giving the rally, like, if they don't want to be a part of the revolution, fuck them. We'll send them to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a classic leftist beats liberal move right there. The liberal yeah. move, hey, why don't we all get along? And the left is like, sure, I'll open my <laughs> You know, if I were going to cancel Tony for something, it is his, you know, one of his first famous lines is that, I kill a communist for fun. I'm I'm sorry. Um, sorry, you should have joined in with the revolution. You shouldn't have been a counter-revolutionary. And you see where it gets you, Tony, because this story is about Tony Montana having his chance at the capitalistic American dream and where that takes him. I I I do love Tony's energy at the beginning of this because like it is like a poor person. This is why hip hop has love it so much, right? right? This is why black people love it so much. Because this is just about like this poor guy with nothing who is brought into this new place and he just mm-hmm. says, fuck it. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get ahead. I'm at rock bottom. I have nothing. I I have nothing but my drive and my determination. And I'm gonna hurt anybody. He pulls himself he, up by his bootstraps. That's what does. he does. He does. And and hurt, kill, maim, murder anyone. Yeah. I don't fuck you. This fuck. is the American dream. Like yeah. this is capitalism writ large. This is what you're supposed to do. It's the immigrant story. Yeah. 
Um, definitely. And I think that's probably the other part of that movie that like, if you want to make the woke argument for it, like the fact that this movie gets released in like Reagan's 1980s, (laughs) wait, like before fucking both the, like, you know, before the most popular politician in the country is a democratic socialist. And before people are, you know, irony broing Maoism, <laughs> like this movie basic, like, I, you know, I don't want to like overread it, but it's, it, and it's not exactly a, well, no, it is a left movie politically. It basically like to the extent there's politics in it, the yeah. U S government supports this like sinister cartel Lord in Bolivia. Who's like the real power. And this guy leaves Cuba and, you know, basically just, I th- yeah, it's like pretty much. And honestly, if you, if you read a lot of like, you know, I've read a huge amount of books about like drug cartels and stuff. And particularly people who are not like actual kingpins, like, you know, billionaires who have like, mm-hmm. but if you're sort of like, Hey, I control like a little bit of a stretch of Miami or something like it does really seem like the shelf life of that last thing is like super short. Yeah. So it yeah. really does it. It seems like that it as ridiculous as that movie is, there is a lot of themes that seem very true to me. Yeah, it, it does. Like, you know, drug dealers, they do not last long in the, I think Tony kind of shows he shows why because he runs up against you know just people with more support and more right. structural support and more power because the system is rigged the system is rigged against Tony even yeah. if you know you're you know a poor person who pulls yourself up by their bootstraps you're going to find someone like Sosa who like I feel like is presented like a guy who's like family like owns slaves like he's like a white like expat <laughs> like guy he's well, like a college that's guy. based off of a really crazy story and i will plug we did an illicit history of this for uh which i think we might have unlocked though that there was something in bolivia i think in 1980 called the cocaine coup and basically there was a guy i think his real name might have been suarez i'll look it up but he literally was like a, a billionaire he was not only a cocaine dealer but i think his original fortune was in rubber and they did, they were Bolivian, but they used like indigenous Bolivians as slaves and slaughtered yeah. like tons of wow. people. And there was a series of like revolving coups. And he was involved in one that the CIA backed because it was a right wing coup. And then the other, like, I won't get into all of it, but the other fucking bananas part of this story. Is that, you know, Hans Barbie, the Nazi war criminal mm-hmm. who fled and was in Latin America, he had a Nazi paramilitary group that worked <laughs> with the Bolivian cartels. Oh, my God. So what that dude is based on is like more bananas than the movie. So speaking wild. of bananas, this – Let's talk about the scene. The scene that everybody knew. I knew about this scene years before I ever actually sat down and watched the film because it was referenced so much from GTA Vice City to everything else. Sure. Uh, the chainsaw scene. Brian De Palma is a fucking master of cinema <laughs> and master of cinematic That sequence violence. is so good. It's so terrifying and mm-hmm. scary and violent and you actually don't see anything. It's mm-hmm. all in your head. You don't see the chainsaw cut anything. You just see the spray, hear the sound, see their eyes, but you don't actually see anything. And this movie was actually rated X initially. Like the first like eight times they submitted it, it got an X rating. And this one almost had an X rating too. Like it, like he actually um, re-released it with all the cuts he made to try to get the down to the R rating back in without telling anybody because the changes were so subtle. So you're watching, if you're watching Scarface now, you're seeing the X rated version, huh. and it feels X rated even though you're not actually seeing anything because Brian De Palma is just so good at doing the Hitchcock thing where you just imply the violence and it can be more horrific when you don't see it. 
Did you guys see the documentary? I forget the name of it, but there's a documentary about the Palma. Uh, yes, I watched it. Yeah, and it's just it's it's so it's such a funny documentary because it's just like him sitting in a room and everybody asks him. So, uh, what were you thinking when you uh, made uh, Scarface? Basically, <laughs> like it's just like a, they just go through his movies and just ask him what he thinks about him. <laughs> and what you know what I like about it though is I kind of feel like. What I like about De Palma is he's sort of because I think you know he's not like he isn't like the I mean I don't know enough I guess but it, it's like I understand that he's kind of schlocky and he's not like the best you know director ever but what I really like that he kind of if I recall correctly what he kept saying in that movie is like yeah I'm fucking imitating Hitchcock like he's the best <laughs> and I'm like actually doing like a pretty and then you look like. There are scenes in Scarface, but actually also like it's a really uneven movie, but like Carlito's way, there are some scenes where you're just like, shit, like he sees the reflection in the sunglasses of the dude coming out of the bathroom. Like Brian De Palma really knows how to do violence really viscerally. And I don't like it's funny because I love crime movies and I'm really weird with violence. Like I, I don't. I can watch it, but I don't like, I don't like it. Right. Like I don't get a thrill out of it. I don't like horror movies. I don't really enjoy, um, seeing people get, you know, hurt on the other hand, like, you know, Narcos has some sequences that are really brutal, but it just like is film. It, it brings you in the action. Like you feel like you're almost Mm -hmm. like in the squad yourself, basically, which in a way is kind of fucked up. But the Palma, like, I wouldn't say I enjoy it, but it's like, it's actually really not enjoyable, but that it's yeah. fucking gripping because it's different from like, oh, that's fucked up. I don't really want to see that. Whereas it's like, oh shit, like, you're right. I just felt like I saw somebody getting chainsawed, but I didn't. Yeah. It, it's super visceral. There's like a kind of, I think visceral is the right term for it. Cause I do think that there's like a kind of like raw brutality to it. Like, yeah. It's totally. like, it's, it almost looks like, like you were saying in the Narcos one, it kind of feels like you're in the, you know, uh, uh, like you're in the, the squad with them. Something about, uh, uh, Scarface is like just how formal it is. It's like we're in like, like big shots of people just like catching like a shot to their chest. And it's not like, you know, super, you know, we're not shaking the camera and zooming in and everything like that. It's just like a, human being like dying <laughs> right like yeah. everybody jokes about how like and actually bill burr has a really funny bit about like the comedian and he's like they get no respect like he's like he's like you're right it's like you're the clown at the club in scarface you get a couple in the gut because you're juggling, right no one gives a fuck about him it's a great bit but like even that it's like it's so grotesque and it's so ridiculous, but the way it's shot is actually like, oh shit, like this fucking poor schmuck who's like toiling some like thankless, dumb night lounge act. Like, yeah, he just got like totally like he's done. And that's just cause like, you know, like Tony's like going to fuck Michelle Pfeiffer and then embarrass the other guy. Like they, they actually, I mean, it's obvious like you could, you know, when I watch it as a 13 year old, I have a different reaction than as a 35 year old. But like that movie is definitely not like pro violent. No, I don't think so. I I mean, I, I, I think the violence is like exciting but i i don't think it like really revels in the violence too much i think it's actually just this is like oddly like watching this movie it's like a parable or something like it just is like a very it's a very long movie but it's got a very simple story which is just like you can't be evil and fly too close to the sun or like you'll suffer very severe consequences and mostly we see these consequences just like rendered just like as starkly almost as possible you know, you you mentioned that because this does something that, you know, a lot of crime movies have tried to copy since. Um, his When Tony Montana actually starts, like, making real money and becoming a real big baller, 
it's just a montage. Like, it's just a really quick montage. He goes from, like, hungry young guy. He almost gets killed. He gets his revenge. And then it's like a three-minute uh, push-it-to-the-limit montage <laughs> where he's actually buying his cars, getting it, you know, buying his tiger, doing all that stuff. And then the next scene, he's already fucking miserable. He already right. has everything. The world is right. finally his. And he has – and I got to say how great that blimp shot is of the world world is yours like right when he gets everything and then he's fucking like immediately it's we're in the downfall and i think that's just really like i think scarface like did a really great job of presenting that because i think with something like the godfather right it adds a level of nobility to this crime to like the entire enterprise, to this like sociopathy, yeah. yeah to, now, there's a nobility to Tony. He does have a code, but it's a very personal one, right? Mm-hmm. It's not something that everybody has. In fact, no one else has his code. When you're looking at the Godfather, it's like like a whole family, you know, and they're all very noble and kind <laughs> and have these rules and like it really kind of glorifies the lifestyle. And a the lot first more. one, I mean, the second Godfather is actually like. It's more, it's more it's like a slower down. Devastating. Cause I mean, yeah. God, I guess we gotta do, we gotta do a Godfather episode sometime too. I gotta watch three. I've actually never watched I've never watched three either. Like I just, I've and been scared off says, it. Don't watch it, but I'm like, I actually bet it's probably. <laughs> I, I should watch it. I guess I should. I guess I'm like really fascinated to watch Godfather three now that I'm thinking about it. I've heard some things that have, you know, kind of in the past few years that have kind of made me think. Maybe this is a nice, you know, little wrap up to it. Um, apparently, it's not what people wanted, which is good. Sometimes I, I don't know if it was quite that. I think it probably wasn't. It probably wasn't as well made. Like I, what I've been thinking about lately is like maybe the reason I don't like most modern movies is like they don't make them like they, they used make them to. Like shit. They do just make them actually like shit. Yeah, one digital camera. Like there's like nothing like Scarface is coming out. No, I don't yeah. care like what the budget is, who the stars are. If they tried to make another like crime just, epic, it wouldn't look or feel like De Palma well, in his prime. And a big part of that is number one because De Palma is a genius, but also because they were required to do like practical special effects. Like if they were doing it now, it would be all the like fake blood spurts. Like that ending sequence would look completely different if it was done uh, with digital graphics. I saw, I think it might have been in the Palma documentary where it was like, like Pacino actually seriously burned his hands on one of the fake machine yes. guns. Yeah. And like, that's like, that's very clear in the film. Like when you know that and you see that, you're like, oh, like, obviously Pacino's a great actor, but like, that's just like a human flinch. <laughs> you know, like, uh, no, but I think there, there was a Pacino interview where he's basically just said, like, Scarface wasn't really supposed to have any depth. And I, right. I think like what, like, so I love all the Godfather, well, the first two, but like, I mean, obviously the first one is very romantic and very like opera, mm-hmm. but I think the second one, like the Michael Corleone character is actually really smart and he is really introspective and he is like, that is what that character is. And it's like, he's, you know, he's a monster and it's, Ended mm-hmm. in total isolation. And I, that's another thing that's like, I'm rewatching The Sopranos. Yeah. And the thing that really strikes me, first, like, I have to say, like, I just, I do think, and I'm not, like, I think for some people it's like fashionable to trash The Wire. I think, like, The Wire is really great, but like, I, that debate is totally done in my mind. Like, The Sopranos is a much better show. I think The Sopranos, I actually, and maybe I've said this on the show before, I think it's possible that Sopranos is like the only actual prestige show. I think that they're all kind of just imitating Sopranos since then, and I'm like, they've never been as good. They've actually never gotten back to that level, even once. I mean, it. what's, because I, I did this, I did this actually, like we, like my, my girlfriend and I rewatched, you know, uh, well, you know, The Wire, I hadn't seen since like probably at least 10 years actually. And now the Sopranos and like the wire it's, it's really good, smart, it's well acted. It's, I think it still has some really legitimate points. 
Although it's one of those things where like history has gone ahead of it because it's like when that came out, it was like, oh, here's a show that's dealing with like racism and deindustrialization and police and kind of like implicitly critiquing capitalism. But now it's like, well, right. But, you know, again, Bernie's the most popular politician in the country. Like, not to say we've got an infinite amount to do, but like, you know, it isn't like George W. Bush's president. And people right. are trying to read the tea leaves to see how progressive Obama will be. And there's no politics in popular culture. Right. And then what's weird about the Sopranos is it's like, I'll get back to my original point about it in a second, but it's like, first of all, even though it's not really a political show, that show is like filled with like everything from like, I mean, the whole thing is about Trumpism in a certain way. Yeah. And that's like the core of the sickness it's diagnosing. But it even is like on point with like dumb versions of identity politics. They have funny critiques of. Yeah. Like that's also, by the way, that you keep saying funny, like like The Sopranos is an extremely funny show. Okay. Like that show, Funniest that's where show I think it has maybe at, like hysterical, it, really like totally super hysterical. Comedy. Those characters are fucking hilarious. And that's even like where I'm like, that's maybe why The Wire will never get that like top spot for me. Like is just, you know, The Sopranos is like all of it. It's the whole package. It's like everything that TV does kind of perfect. The Wire is funny, but it's like. It's it's like, oh, that was kind of funny, that episode. Whereas The Sopranos, as I'm rewatching, I'm like, this is – all of these things are going on. It's like a gangster show, a domestic drama. Yep. It's a horror show in some ways. And it's like, oh, this is maybe the, it's, it's really like, ultimately a comedy. But the thing I was going to say – It's also like David Lynch, like surrealist shit. It's yeah. kind of like – Polly Galtieri is also like maybe one of the funniest characters like just in television history. <laughs> Without a doubt. I, I love The Sopranos. It's fucking amazing. But I was just – like it's a super moralistic show, which is interesting to me because mm-hmm. it's like – and I wondered this about gangster movies like because there's like, okay, like I actually think like when you think about it, besides the first Godfather, most gangster movies do not glorify this life. Like hmm. Goodfellas and Casino are fucking depressing as hell. Mm-hmm. And Scarface is cool and wild, but actually it does not turn out well. And he's no. just a pawn in bigger geopolitical games. And then The Sopranos is like – and this is another amazing thing about the show because the show is so good. It actually pulls off the fact that almost every episode is basically just like a little morality tale. And almost always just like, oh, they failed that moral test. And sooner or later, you're going to pay for it. Like, it's actually a super ethical show. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Like, I I, I mean, yeah, Sopranos, I I, I think that that point you make about each episode being its own sort of little, like, uh, uh, moral parable is is partially what I'm saying about, like, Sopranos doing everything that television does, but, like, best. Like, it also doesn't do the modern TV thing of having a long, interminable plot that doesn't go anywhere. Like, Sopranos is actually, like, closer in, like, structure and style to, like, 90s network TV than, like, modern prestige TV. Like, The Handmaid's Tale, which is just, like, a story that never ends. Days of Our Lives. plan for where it's going. That's Days of Our Lives. Like, to tell a story a complete story in one hour and even if there is like overarching elements to it but to tell a complete story in an hour i think actually is more challenging than like a lot of the shortcuts they're getting away with on not only only that also that everything in the seasons actually connects like there's never like the only thing that i kind of had a little bit of like a no one ever said that ralph had a son that was a little bit whatever, and I'm getting super in the weeds here. <laughs> but every other thing, and they and they do it like even when they have to do just like place setting, they really yeah. do do like, oh shit, that's why they mentioned that that call happened three episodes ago. Like it mm-hmm. just, <laughs> it's 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 it is fun when you watch people do something that you're like convinced you can't do it yourself and i know that that speaks to my <laughs> ego but it also yeah. doesn't because so many tv shows are just such messes it isn't even like i watch it to think like <laughs> i could do that because i'm so good i think like i feel like what the fuck is going on on tv do that because <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Yeah. Well, uh, we're 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 a little bit off topic from well, Scarface. Well, let's get into <laughs> but, uh, let's well let's get into moralism, or at least you know, at the ethics, the plot politics of the Scarface film. We already mentioned the bathtub scene where mm-hmm. Tony points out because it's it's funny because right before that scene, he's talking to like his like banker who is like laundering all this money for him. And then, and you know, he's, you know, trying to charge him a large rate or whatever, higher rate, and he's negotiating with him. And then immediately after that, he sees a commercial for the bank and the bank is saying how they're using, they're investing in Miami and building all these buildings, mm-hmm. right? Like with his money, with his drug money, mm-hmm. the film, like, you know, you might miss it, but like, that's what it's basically saying. Like what's building Miami is all this drug money. And then they have like a talking head on talking about, you know, he, they set it up. They say something like lots of people are calling for a drug decriminalization in order to stop you know the violence and the gangs and the drugs like this is like 30 40 years ago like in this film like talking about drug legalization ending the drug war and legalizing right. drugs as a way to <laughs> stop the violence instead of just talking about the violence and the drugs as if they're one thing and one all automatically follows the other like i think that's just some really good commentary and then after that scene we get the say get he gets arrested and then we get the say good night to the bad guy scene where tony just you know goes off uh uh, in front of all these like rich people who are like judging him and he's just like fuck you i'm not i'm just the only one who's honest about how i make my money that's the I, scene I, where you're like hey i wonder what you think about castro now you fucking prick yes <laughs> <laughs> so the, he's obviously not wanted by society but all the banks want his money all those people right. want the glitz and the glamour that he the drug dealers brought to miami like they they built miami up from just right. a vacation florida backwater vacation spot he turned it they built the clubs the restaurants these it was the drug dealers who did this it wasn't all the hoity-toity rich people who are there now it wasn't the trump it wasn't the mar-a-lago it was the drug dealers well i don't have any evidence but i just would just say like i wouldn't ever exclude the idea that donald trump's uh you know I always wonder what his connections to various parts of different organizations are. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And so, like and Donald so, Trump's like, you know, they really did a lot for Miami. <laughs> <laughs> and Scarface, very and misunderstood me. figure. Yeah. <laughs> Tony was a good guy, but he got very upset. <laughs> and, you know, nobody wants to kill kids, but you know, <laughs> at a certain point, if you have a code, you have to follow the code. But but it was a tough deal. It's bad from the idea. <laughs> so let's hop over a little bit to Cocaine Cowboys because um, it features a big time drug dealer who was actually a big time Republican donor who was invited to Republican shit because he gave a bunch of money. And he uh, na- uh, his name was John Roberts, who apparently flooded Miami with approximately two billion dollars worth of cocaine mm-hmm. and was a big time he was you know had tons all this money coming in he was kind of like a real life tony montana all the bank you know he was washing his money in all these banks which were then investing on the money helping him buy legitimate businesses they were taking that money building buildings building skyscrapers building construction building up miami he was a republican a republican donor they're actually in cocaine cowboys they show like a letter that he got from strong thurmond like a personal letter from strong <laughs> thurmond <laughs> like just some good good shit and like good stuff. and cocaine cowboys is just like uh it's basically about uh, John Roberts, um, this guy named Mickey Monday, who is just like this, just a insane weirdo from Florida who got into <laughs> the drug dealing accidentally. Um, his buddy died, and his buddy had told him, "All right, I need you to get with all my wheat for me, if in case my you know so my family doesn't find it." And so he goes in the lockup, and he thinks you know it's just you know a little bit of weed, but it's like. $300,000 worth of weed. And so that's how he got into uh, drug dealing. And also you have the very terrifying um, Jorge Rivi Ayala, 
who is a murderer, a killer, a hitman. Yeah. Who seems, you know, very handsome, very personable, but charming, uh, a murderer. I just, though. that was his job. His job mm-hmm. was to, uh, murder people for the Medellin cartel, Medellin cartel. He talks about it pretty, uh, pretty openly. Yeah. Too. He seems pretty stoked about it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of thinks, no, he, like, that, that, that's the dude who's like, I mean, what's, what's really interesting about that. And I will say, like, the John Roberts, I actually read the book. There's a book called American Desperado that he co-wrote with a guy named Evan Wright. And it's interesting because like cocaine cowboys really lets John, not, not Jorge, but John Roberts just look like he's super likable in cow cocaine cowboys. But in the mm-hmm. book, American Desperado, when he literally is just like, I mean, first of all, like, you know, if half of the shit he says, like, yeah, I signed up for Vietnam and it was just like an interesting way to like kill people. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. Like, He's like a shit. sick. Yeah. And so, but uh, what what's funny about that though, is there's a scene, I think in the reloaded version, actually, no, it was, it was either in the book or an interview. And he actually, he died a couple years ago. He had cancer, but he was like, you know, this dude, he, he literally, I think he says like in the book, like, yeah, like I'm a sociopath. Like I have some, I think he basically said like, I have some feelings for my son and, you know, and also like, I'm a nice guy, but like, I don't, you know, like <laughs> other people's like well being is not a thing for me. Right. Like if it gets in the way of my, just even like having fun, like fuck that. <laughs> but, uh, so he's like super upfront and he says like he's at a and he and I guess he became some type of cooperating witness. I mean, he he kind of reminds me like Sammy the Bull because it's like I guess he became a rat. But like he clearly still had like a huge amount of weapons wherever he was living and was going to be like kind of <laughs> still in the mix. But he said he's at like a Miami Heat game and the announcer says like. You know, John Roberts, who you've seen in Cocaine Cowboys, is in the audience. And, like, the, the crowd, like, <laughs> cheers. And he's like, you know, when I was growing up, like, we didn't honor guys like me. Like, yeah, I don't know about that. Like, I'm a fucking coke trafficker. Like, why, why are you clapping for me at yeah. the ball game? That should be for, like, the soldiers. <laughs> well, let's talk about that because, you know, in, with Scarface, you know, he does have this brutal downfall. But in Cocaine Cowboys, like, yeah. there are a lot of jail by now, except for Rivy, of course, who is just... Well, Rivy you know, killed, like, 30 people at least. Yeah. And also, um, Rivy, I love I love that Rivy fucked up, like, a huge federal case because he basically, like, started just, like sexting or having phone sex with like a secretary at the process (laughs) (laughs) and the way like all the other people what they're talking about are just like i can't fucking believe what happened and then he's just like yeah so i start talking with the secretary (laughs) (laughs) and it was awesome (laughs) but about the glorification because the thing about the thing, reason why it seems so cool is because Cocaine Cowboys, it's it's not just about the violence. The Cocaine Cowboys is kind of in two halves. Like, it's one is where John and Mickey are getting into the drug trade. And it actually is really cool, like, the technical aspects of how they do it. Like, John, fi- uh, like, Mickey the finding the weed, buying an airplane, uh, John accidentally getting through his like girlfriend getting a direct line to like co- the Colombian cartel. Like this is all like cool shit that you can imagine yourself yeah. like getting caught up in. Like all of a sudden you're making, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a week and then tens of thousands of dollars a day and then more money than you can even count or hold or launder like just by just, you know, thinking and being smart about it and, you know, making connections and this is what you're supposed to do. This is this is pulling yourself about up by the boot 
straps. This is being an entrepreneur. They came up with new ways in order to get the drugs in. Like Mickey, when he's talking about, you know, just dropping the drugs from an airplane into the water. Now we've seen that in every crime movie, you know, since Scarface, but someone had to come up with that. And that was Mickey Monday. And it's just, it really feels like. Just you're going on this really great, fun journey of these guys kind of, you know, falling dick first into being like multi-millionaire drug dealers <laughs> without, you know, really getting their hands too dirty. Well, I also feel like like some somehow like part of part of the appeal of these of all of this stuff and even those people like who actually like. One other book reference, I forget the name of the book, but it was like uh, some book about like some kind of book about like modern India and the just like Indian journalist who like, you know, he talked to activists and athletes and politicians and whatever. And then he did like a chapter on organized crime in India and he threw a bunch of connections, managed to get a phone interview with basically like an Indian Don who I think was actually like in the Emirates but still running all these businesses in India. And the guy like basically decided at the end of the conversation that he liked the journalist because the journalist was like respectful and basically just like, let it be known that like essentially like, Hey, if you want anybody killed on me, buddy, like I really enjoyed the interview. <laughs> and, uh, and the guy, you know, he kind of actually said like it in a fucked up way, it actually made him a lot more patient. <laughs> like, like, oh, like the bank teller is being an asshole to me, but uh, yeah, they don't know. But, like, they just, like, so let me just like take it easy. And but I think like that's the that's like the bad part of it, I guess. But I think like there's also like a really healthy human appetite for adventure, and people are so fucking alienated and yes. bored in most of their shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I had to say like. Again, I don't, you know, whatever. Like, I'm totally a culture's culture person. I'm not trying to throw an agenda on it. But it's like, if I had to, like, it would be cool if, you know, for every, like, part of, like, a cartel story that just spoke to that adventurous part, you know, make a movie about a revolutionary or a guerrilla fighter that, like, speaks to that same stuff, but in a different context. And then, you know, on the flip side, like, I think, it is super important to like even guys like John Roberts, like they're the middle guys in like a much Mm -hmm. more complicated, Mm -hmm. you know, even like the Mexican cartels, like, yeah, like El Chapo definitely was like a real guy who did real shit, but like these cartels, the way they operate are so much more decentralized. If I understand it correctly, than they are presented in the U S media they obviously are usually connected to politics. The DEA mm-hmm. definitely made arrangements with different cartels, essentially like spy on other cartels and ease up on one to go after the other. So it's like, you know, that shit, actually it's interesting in its own right, but it's definitely like there's a part. And I think Scarface actually does this like in saying super well, where it's like Tony, like he crushed it in terms of his own like personal goal list. Like he fucking Jordan Peterson did. He Tony Robbins did, but his shit is overdetermined. Like he's not a Bolivian Baron. He's not a banker. He's not a CIA operative. He's not a like, you know, he's a ballsy guy. Mm-hmm. Has a couple of months where he has some cool shit. And then and <laughs> And that's and Cocaine Cowboys does make the argument that we mentioned earlier that it was the drugs that built the city um, yeah. up and like all, and made all these other people super rich who never you know had to touch cocaine unless they were using it, um, which a lot they of them were. were. Yeah, which a lot of them were. Uh, so, so like the kind of hypocrisy of it, where there, there was a line in the show where it was like they were talking about how like the entire country was going through this massive recession, uh, recession aside from Miami. Like, <laughs> like, like this was holding up. Like this was holding right. up the whole city. And uh, also, there was another great line where it's like. When you talk about, you know, dr- what drugs, do- what drug, 
what drugs do to a community, it's always terrible, right? You you have, you know, you know, right. it destroys the family structure. You have addicts. What drug does to a, you know, a small, you know, you poor black community, but drugs are great for a city. And as was they say, drugs do a lot to be, can do a lot to build up the city. And the real problem that they had with the drugs was not the drugs themselves. It wasn't the people, you know, usually poor people who were dying and ODing. It was the violence. It was when people right. like Rivi started shooting up like the strip mall. Like you can't have that. You like you, that's what you shooting up a fucking strip. Shit was yeah. wild, man. Yeah, you can't. You can deal drugs. You can kill each right. other. But you can even use it to build like uh, businesses and shit like that. In fact, we encourage you do that with the drug money. Yes, like all those. Like he, uh, John Roberts has a line. It was like, "Have you ever seen a city with so many banks? Like, come on! Like, this is all from these are all mon- money laundering operations, basically." And with with, with the downfall of the you know cocaine cowboy era of miami was was that you know there was just so much violence and like people didn't feel safe anymore and everybody's carrying around guns there's the tourism tourism yes. it was what ended cocaine and my the end of the cocaine trade yeah but I, but it is no it is funny though like the the sort of like irony or i mean you know i'm not saying it's the same thing like it's definitely different to literally have the amount of currency flowing in where you can actually build out a city, it, whether it's in Cali or Miami is definitely different than like, Oh, like John Gotti handed out a bunch of turkeys. Like it's different, but it is ironic mm-hmm. that like when people from, you know, like marginalized and non accessed communities will say like, well, it is like the dealer that provides X. It's always like, oh, shut the fuck up. You know, you know, you got to yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, yeah, the modern like engine of Florida is literally built on Coke money. <laughs> Period. Just like that's just an objective statement. Yeah, it's always about yeah. scale. Like you just right. need like once you get a certain level of wealth and rich, uh, like your crime is no longer a crime. Like I right. like the yep. like the Felicity Husband story right now. Like that yep. story is so funny because they didn't have enough money. They were at the medium level is what it was. Yeah. Like, the business model of the place was to target people who were rich, but not the super rich. So the people who couldn't do the traditional bribes of like buying a library or something. So they're, they're bas- basically the whole sell of this is like, you know how there's bribes to get people into college and we all know about that and that's normal and accepted. Uh, this was an unacceptable version of that. Right. Because they didn't have enough, they they were the mid level uh, access. Right. They had mid level access. They only had actress uh, money. I guess they. <laughs> I guess de- if Desperate Housewives had a few more reruns, maybe they could have just bought the Felicity Hus- Huffman, you know, school There's- of paleontology, but. <laughs> The, the guy Massimo, who's ma- the guy uh, Lori Laughlin's husband or whatever, Massimo, who's also made all the Massimo clothes at Target. There's there's a, there's something in the documents where uh, um, the guy who he's doing the scam with says like, "Oh, I spoke to the athletic director at USC. They thought we could get you for over a million, so don't like speak to them." So I think that that part when they're saying they thought they could get you for over a million, they're referring right there to the legal type of bribery uh, as opposed to the, uh, the illegal. Oh, d- d- no. D- and it's so, I mean, no, that's a, per- there's also the saying that uh, something like, I forget what it is. It's like, it's like, Oh, it's like, if you owe the bank, like a thousand bucks, that's your problem. Yeah. But right. if like you owe the bank a billion bucks, it's the bank's problem. Yes. You know? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you going to do? No, I think, no, that's, that's exactly right. Like, and it's, and it will be interesting to see like, you know, whatever, like fuck all of these, you know, asshole parents. Although I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just going to be a real snob for a second. I, I just have to embrace this because I've already done this like on three different shows, but like, look, here's what I say. If you come from a poor background, and you get into any college that's competitive, I have nothing but respect for you. And on the other hand, you get to do this shit to get into the University of Southern California. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> 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 like, like, that is definitely a, hey, like, are you going to not burn the buildings down here? And you right, can pay the whole full thing tuition? At USC. Okay, you're in. Like, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck? No, but... 
but it but people will get lost in this case like and not see that first of all there's all the like low level shit that's legal like oh like everybody can pay you know the whole testing industry scams and then like why isn't everybody sharing the true story of you know how fucking jared kushner got into harvard every five seconds plus all the shit that this brings up about affirmative action like I like we were joking on my show, like, you know what I will take in the form of my affirmative action instead of a couple of points on an essay, I will take the uh, free property part. That will be I will I will opt for white affirmative action. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So like but people and then people are like. Well, there's something also is related to the gangster movies. Like people are like, oh, like I've I've actually seen people on TV say, and it's just so sad because these kids are getting taught that lying and cheating is the way forward. And it's like, it is. In fact, it's super (laughs) unusual that people like this would be held accountable for anything. And, And I say this as like somebody who's totally, you know, I'm a socialist, I'm committed, I'm got a fucking spiritual streak. But like, let me tell you something. Like if you're not doing some hustle, then you're a fucking sucker in this society. And if you want (laughs) to teach people differently, then you need to get rid of this system. And like, it's just fucking unreal. Like, like the chick that I had the most respect for was the girl at USC who literally like didn't show up to class because she, (laughs) <laughs> an Amazon influencer model. Like, right. Yeah, she goes by the name OJ. And I was uh, like, that's exactly what you're yeah. supposed No, to she's do. fun. OJ's fun. Yeah. We're mad at the parents. OJ is, is a ridiculous character, but, you know, <laughs> she was ultimately gaslit by her horrendous parents. Into thinking she should go to college. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing. It's like, guys, like, you don't. You don't need to go to college. Nobody like, needs. Well, but, but Scarface but really did is, <laughs> Right. But, but why exactly. they were, but why the, but like why the parents wanted to pay for it is because it's like a social thing. It's a social standing yeah. thing for the parents. 100%. It's like they're paying for like more bullshit, like to feel good about themselves. Like it's just, you know, 100%. more rich people, stupid shit, more stupid rich people shit. You, you know what's funny that didn't get mentioned in Cocaine Cowboys? What's the that? guy who flipped on all of them, uh, Mermelstein, when he got arrested, he was arrested with John DeLorean. Yes. That DeLorean, the guy who made the car from Back wow. to the Future, like that was his <laughs> downfall too. Like he, that's so he funny. Was like dealing cocaine, like <laughs> dude, just sell your car to cocaine dealers. You'll make. He would still. He would have been sold to too many of them. And he's like, this seems nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave with also like a a take that I know will like get a lot of people all pissed off. But fuck. Oh, them. good. Uh. You know, like I am not about lifestyle politics whatsoever and your personal consumption choices don't matter. And I also know that much. And I also definitely know plenty of people who have both sold and do a lot of cocaine. I was never a fan Mm -hmm. of it. But uh, I got to say, like, especially if you're a person who's ever been like, I'm a vegan or I try to avoid sweatshop labor. You can't do coke. It's a bad yes. <laughs> It is true. It is but true. That, it that's is like true. That, you know what? That's really what it is for me, honestly. When I know people who are like scarfing fast food and like don't give a fuck. But when I see people who are like, like, did you see the BuzzFeed list and the top 10 <laughs> that Seinfeld perpetuates, blah, blah, blah. And I only get locally sourced eggs. And then they're like, <laughs> like, yes, the fuck? like you either start eating meat and stop sharing dumb fucking woke on Twitter and snort your brains out, or if you're going to continue those other annoying habits, you better stop fucking sniffing this shit. <laughs> well, all right. So, well. everyone, Scarface, Cocaine Cowboys. Very good. I think they're very good. Very good. I think Scarface holds up, has some good politics in it. Excellent crime uh, film. And Cocaine Cowboys, too. Fascinating. fascinating Oh, yeah. That's fascinating. It's totally worth it. Fascinating. And it's like really, it's actually, you know, we didn't talk about the filmmaking of it at all, but the direct, like the uh, editing is like very cool in Cocaine Cowboys. It's like a cool uh, movie to watch. Yeah. It's it's one you can, you know, stare at or just have on in the background. I like documentaries that let you do one or the other. Um, So, Michael, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me at underscore Michael Brooks on Twitter, at Michael Jamal Brooks on Instagram. Uh, Now, 
our YouTube channels for real now. So Michael Brooks show on YouTube, if you want to check out the YouTube clips, but of course the best way to do it and get all of the content, it's a huge amount of content, including stuff actually like this with the illicit histories, go to patreon.com slash TMBS, Patreon yourself up. Awesome. Awesome. Everyone have a good one. Peace. The world is yours. Like what you hear, want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.